the, the parasha this week is Mishpatim and Mishpatim uh, leads us to an interesting problem but in order to understand the problem and the solution to the problem you have to remember uh, the order of things in the parish of Yitro and then Mishpatim so just to remind ourselves we read the Yitro last Shabbos Yitro starts with the coming of Yitro to the Machaneh of Yisrael after that there's a discussion between Yitro and Moshe Rabbeinu about how to organize the judicial system I hope that I'm saying things that are sort of recognizable after that preparation for Matan Torah God says to Moshe Rabbeinu you have to uh, clean yourself up you have to you know, separate yourself from your wives for three days. All of this preparation for Har Sinai. So we have Yitro, Mishpat, right? The the judicial process. Then Perikutet in Shemot, which is about God commanding Moshe Abenu to tell Bnei Yisrael how they should prepare themselves for the um, for getting the Torah. Right? Then, Aseret Adibrot, which we call, uh, we call it Matan Torah, but of course it isn't. Right? It's more correct, what they say in English, they say it's theophany. Right? What? It, what? What do you say in English? It's theophany. Theophany. In Hebrew, Hitgalut. Right? that what happened at Har Sinai was not so much content like they didn't learn anything, anything much I mean they heard the first two Dibrot but they didn't really learn the Torah then but what they learned was that they were standing in the presence of God that was a chidush they, they had become aware of God's power in Yitziat Mitzrayim but, but they did not. Uh, uh, they did not have this uh, communication with God that they had at Har Sinai, and that communication with God at Har Sinai told them that there could be a Torah, there could be something like that. As long as they heard Anochi and they heard Lo Yelach, they heard just the first two Dibrot according to Chazal. So they knew that such a thing could happen. That God could give the Torah to B'nai Yisrael through Moshe Rabbeinu, which is what they experienced at Har Sinai. Okay? So we'll go through it again. Yitro came, and then they had discussion with Moshe Rabbeinu about Mishpat, about the judicial process. Then Perak Yutet, the preparation for Matan Torah. Then Perak Aseret Hadibrot Aseret Hadibrot which more correctly can be called Hitgalut right Theophany <coughs> the presence of God the awareness of the presence of God because even if you believe that God is every place at every time that doesn't mean you may know that somehow but it doesn't mean you have a real awareness of it most people 
have to go to a particular place in order to get a heightened awareness of the presence of God, right? Even though that would seem to be contradictory. If you say God is every place, why do you have to go any place? But you know, everybody knows, you live in Yerushalayim, that you go to the Kotel because you feel good about it. It makes sense somehow. Whereas uh, staying home is not as good sometimes. Again, I'm not, don't call me on this. Uh, sometimes it's better to go to the Kota than to stay home. But the idea being is that there is a heightened awareness of God's presence in certain places. So that even though God is every place, you could also say that God is someplace. And those two statements in, a, in tradition are not seen as being contradictory. So that's Matan Torah. After Matan Torah, the end of last week's parasha, there's a mitzvah, the mitzvah of Mizbeach. Building a Mizbeach comes at the end of the parasha. That seems to be totally out of place because you would assume that the Mizbeach is connected somehow to the Mishkan to the building the Mishkan and the Mishkan is built in the parashiot of Truma and Titzaveh where again there is a mention of a Mizbeach but at the end of the parasha of Yitro there is a mention of Mizbeach now in between the end of the parasha of Yitro right and the parasha of Truma which is the parasha of building the Mishkan right the uh, you know, the Kalim of the Mishkan, the last five parashiyot are sort of about building the Mishkan. Truma Tetzaveh, Kitisa is sort of about uh, the Egel, right? It was a digression in Parashat Kitisa. They built the Egel as a half, the golden calf. And then Vayakel Pekudei, which for some reason comes as a repeat of Truma and Tetzaveh, which is its own problem. So now, uh, let, let's do it again. Yitro, Yitro, the judicial system, Aserita Debrot, the Mizbeach. The Mizbeach is kind of oddly placed. We don't know what it's doing at the end of Yitro. And then you have Mishpatim. Mishpatim, the parasha, this week's parasha, right? Ve'ela mishpatim Mishpatim is a long series of laws and regulations, many of them having to do with nizikim, with, uh, you know, you beat me, I beat you, my cow, your cow, his cow, their cow, all of that is in mishpatim. At the end of the parasha of mishpatim, God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, go up and get the Torah. So, Rashi says, you see the first Pasuk is the Pasuk in Mishpatim. Ve'ela Mishpatim, Asher Tassim Lifnehem. Ve'ela Mishpatim. Kol makom shinamar, ve'ela pasal et harishonot, ve'elu mosif al harishonot. Okay, Rashi makes a comment. It doesn't matter. But it doesn't matter. But this is what Rashi now says. It is important for us. Marishonot. Arishonim, I'm sorry, Marishonim is Sinai, Af Elu is Sinai. The first ones are from Sinai. These are from Sinai also. So what are the first ones? 
They were from Sinai, the first mitzvot they learned from Sinai. Okay, we'll say Aseret Adibrot for the sake of saying something. We shall not be Sinai, Aseret Adibrot. Where the Aseret Adibrot? In the parasha of Yitro. There's no doubt the Aseret Adibrot come, Mi Sinai. And then it says, Barisho Mi Sinai, Avelu Mi Sinai. Avelu Mi Sinai. What does that mean, Avelu Mi Sinai? What does it mean to me? That this parish of Mishpatim preempted, preempted the Mizbeach. Came before the Mizbeach. Or, alternatively, that the Mizbeach was part of Mishpatim, because the Mishpatim has a, has a, a, a heading. Eila Mishpatim, these are the ones these are like Sarashi's page, they're extra. Beyond what you've learned already, these are the Mishpatim. Sinai. Now, Rashi says this great question. Vilama. Vilama Nismicha Parashat Dinim Parashat Mizbeach. Why is it that the parasha that he calls Dinim, which is Eila Mishpatim, Nismichal Parashat Mizbeach, which means, how come it comes right after the parasha of the Mizbeach? Right? Now we just learned that both of these parashiyot, the parasha of Mizbeach and the parasha of Mishpatim, are in the wrong place. Where should the parasha of the Mizbeach be? With the building of the Mishkan. Where should the parasha of Mishpatim be? Where should the parasha of Mishpatim be? With, with Har Sinai. Which should be with Har Sinai. So they're both kind of, kind of misplaced. Along comes Rashi, and Rashi says, How come? How come? Nismicha, Vilama Nismicha Parashat Dinim the Parashat Mizbeach. How come the Torah wanted to place the parasha of Mishpatim with the parasha of Mizbeach? Question. To teach us that there's a halacha. The halacha is is that the parasha that uh, that the uh, the, uh, the Sanhedrin which should be near the mizbeach, so that in the Beit Hamikdash ultimately there would be a building and a lot of rooms around the sides of the building, and in one of those rooms would sit the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin should sit next to the Mizbeach. Why? Rashi doesn't say. But you can figure it out yourself. Because you the connection between the uh, 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 celestial truth and the terrestrial truth, right? Between the truth that comes from heaven and the truth that comes on earth, and they should, and the certain people who are in charge of the truth on earth should be very much aware of the truth in heaven. So, this is a well-known problem. It's called the problem of Ein Mukdam Umulcham Torah. And the question is, the question in the, in the parasha is, how come things in the Torah are out of order? Order, what does the word order mean in this case? The word order means chronological order. What comes first should be first, and what comes last should be last. That's what that's what order is. That's chronological order. So if in fact 
the parasha Mishpatim happened before, had something to do with Matan Torah, so that's what it should, what should be written in the, in the Torah. Ein Mukdam Mochaba Torah is a principle that's enunciated in the Gemara Sachim, which I've mentioned many times in the last eight years. In the Gemara Sachim, in the Gemara Sachim, it points out that in the first Pasuk in Bamidbar, right, the Pasuk about Bamidbar Sinai, it says that the story is being told, Meachodesh Hasheni. Chodesh Hasheni. That's when the story in Bamidbar starts. Nisan Iyar. Nisan is the first month. Iyar is the second month. That's when it starts. In Perak Tet. In Perak Tet in Bamidbar. Perak Tet in Bamidbar is the story of Pesach Sheini. Pesach Sheini, you remember people were Tamei. I couldn't bring the carbon Pesach. Came to Moshe Rabbeinu. What should we do? Moshe Rabbeinu said, don't worry. We have a Jewish way out of this. Right? We'll just make another Pesach. A month later, and you'll you'll be in. And Pesach number two, you'll be in. That's called Pesach Sheni. And to this day, there are Jews who eat matzah on Pesach Sheni. Most Jews do it because they have leftover matzah from Pesach, and they have nothing else they could possibly do with it. So they made a little holiday out of Pesach. Pesach Sheni. So even if you ate matzah on Pesach Rishon, there are people who are very careful to eat matzah on Pesach Sheni. So again, the Torah says, the Torah says, the beginning of Bamidbar is Bachodesh Hasheni. And the, the, the Pesach Sheni part of Bamidbar is Bachodesh Harishon, the month of Nisan. That's when they came to Moshe Rabbeinu and said, what should we do? With Me'im, how do we participate? Right? So first Chodesh Sheni, then Chodesh Rishon. So the Gemara says, that's Ein Mukdam Umuchar Torah. And now the question is, what does the Gemara mean? Does the Gemara mean that this is a general principle? That whatever you find, uh, a lack of chronological order, you just say, well, it doesn't matter. That's the way the Torah is. A little quirky. Right? That's how the Torah is. Or, did the Gemara mean to say, Ein Mukdam Muchaba Torah, when there's an indicator in the Chumash that Ein Mukdam Muchaba Torah, like in Bamidbar. First it says Chodesh Hashedi, then it says Chodesh Rishon. So then I know that it's Ein Mukdam Muchaba Torah. But otherwise, not. Now the Parshanut divides up, Rashi says, Rashi says always, Ein Mukdam Muchaba Torah is a principle. I can use it anytime I want. Anytime something doesn't straighten itself out, I say, and therefore, therefore Rashi says here, okay, so Mishpatim is over there, and it should be over here. On the other hand, the Ramban is his antagonist in this matter, and the Ramban says, no, it's wrong. There is chronological order, you have to look for the cross. Sometimes it seems like the order is not as it should be, but if you look really carefully, you'll find that it is. So there's a well-known machloket between Rashi and the, and the Ramban. And the topic in the machloket is, Here we see that Rashi, usually he doesn't explain it, but Rashi gave a reason. Rashi gives a reason here for the Ein Mukdam Torah, right in the beginning of Mishpatim, because the Torah wanted to place Mishpatim next to 
next to his mayor, right next to the deck. Why did the Torah want to put Mishpatim next to his mayor? In order to teach us an extra halacha. There's an extra halacha embedded in the Torah. The Torah doesn't have to say anything, but just by putting these two things together, you get an extra halacha. In a similar manner, Rashi says, if you turn the page and you look to the second, uh, the second source, Rashid Perakud Aleph. Right? Remember Rashid Perakud Aleph? We read it every year. Rashid Rabbeikas Terechet Avram Benov, Et Lot Ben Haran Ben Benov, Et Sarai Kalato Eichet Avram Benov, Yitzu Itam Me Ur Kastim Lelechet Arts Kenan, Vayavo Ad Haran Vayeshu Shav. How's that? They went from Ur Kastim. Remember Avraham, his family, his father, his nephew. They went from Ur Kastim to Haran, and eventually they're going to go from Haran to Eretz Kenan. Right? Do you remember that? Right? It's like an old story. We know that story. Pasuk Lamed Bet says, Vayumei Terach Chamei Shanim Amataim Shana Vayamot Terach Becharan Azai state. They went from Wokastim to Charan led by who led them? Terach. He was the leader. Charan Terach died. And from Haran to Canaan, who was the leader? Avraham Avinu. Okay? You have the background? So let's look at Rashi. Rashi says, Vayamot Terach Becharan. You see that? Vayamot Terach Becharan, Lachar Shiyatza Avraham Becharan, Ubal Eretz Canaan. So Rashi says, I have a little problem here. If I figure it out without going through the arithmetic here, I figure it out, Terach didn't die yet. Because he died much later in Eretz Canaan. How come the Pasuk says that he died? So this is a kind of a lack of, it's like worse than a lack of chronology. This is just a mistake. I mean, the Torah is misleading us. So Rashi, Rashi goes on and says, uh, the long line the first long line Lama. so why did the Torah say that Terach died when he was alive and well not only was he alive and well he went to Eretz Canaan with, with Avram and the rest of the family as he originally planned to do Everybody should not know exactly what is going on and what happened. People might say 
that since Avram was the leader and leading the people to Eretz Canaan, that he kind of left his father behind and didn't give him the honor that was due him. Lefikach kira'o hakatuv meit. What do you think of that? Well, it's in Rashi. This is like not a secret document. This is like Rashi, but it is the last pasuk of Noah. And who gets up to the last pasuk in when they're preparing Parashat Shavuah? I mean, nobody, right? But so here it is, in advance for next year's Parashat Shavuah, the figure Kirawa Katuv mate Shereshaim Avichayim Kruyim well, so, so, so what does that mean? What does that mean? So when the Torah says, Vayamot Terach Becharan, the Torah is telling the truth. It doesn't mean that he physically died. It means that since he was a Rasha, it is reasonable to call him mate. Because life is about being a righteous person and following the demands of the Torah. So Vayamot Terach Becharan means that Terach was just not there. But what is this what is this Rashi what does this Rashi teach us? This Rashi teaches us when there's a lack of chronology even in non halachic matters, right? The first case we saw was Vishvatib <coughs> juxtaposed to Mizbeach and the the, the 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 reason that they are connected is that we should learn a halacha, and here we see that the pasuk of Ayamot Terach Becharan is out of place. Terach really died three chapters later, right? In the Chumash, three chapters later, Terach died. God says to Avram Avinu, but why is it here? Why is it here at the end of the parsha of? Uh, of Noah, in order to make sure that people don't misunderstand that Avram Avinu was not acting poorly vis-a-vis the mitzvah of Kibbut Ava'im, but that actually, that since he was a Rasha, I mean, there was no halacha that he had to do that. That's what the Torah wants to tell us. So, according to Rashi, and that's what we're learning. What? I haven't quite got the. It's the first question, but the other meaning doesn't make sense to me. Which? Like, why wouldn't we just say that? Terra went with Abraham and they didn't have to ever after him. Why would we come up? Well, why don't we say what? <laughs> <laughs> according to the Abraham, yeah. Something I haven't quite got, but it's my mistake. But according to the Abraham, it sounds like we would have. Why wouldn't we have just? Rashi said we would have said Abraham went off to Canaan and he wasn't nice to his dad. Right. But why wouldn't we just say they went together to Canaan and lived happily ever after? You know about about tribal behavior? <laughs> like the father remains in charge until he disappears. But Haran disappeared. Haran disappeared. He was not in charge. Even though he went with them to Eretz Canaan. He this may have gone with them. He ended up in Eretz Kedan. There's no doubt about that. But how he got there, where we could we could uh, discuss. But Avraham Avinu usurped the position of his father while his father was still alive. So that's a lack of kavod. That's the lack of kavod that Rashi's probably talking about. The people would say, "Oh, like you know, look at this young upstart. He just 
took away the authority from his father. Because it goes into the language of Lechata. Yes, because he becomes in charge. There's no doubt about that. Certainly, at, at, at this point, when they got to Haran, Terach was in charge. He brought them from Ur Kasdim to Haran. But from Haran to Eretz Canaan, and then in Eretz Canaan, you don't hear about Terach. Even though he died there. He died in Eretz Canaan. How do we know he died in Eretz Canaan? Right, so, so Rashi explains that the word Vayamot doesn't mean that he died physically. It means that he was no longer involved because he was a Rasha. So he, where did he die then? I don't know where he died. The, the, God said, he, but he definitely died later. There's no doubt about that. That's what Rashi says. Why can't Rashi use Vayaret uh, Minachasav here? For what? Because, because we're with uh, Yaakov uh, when he's uh, fleeing from uh, Esau. So there, uh, you know, where we say Vayamot, uh, well, there it says Yaran Minachasav, that uh, Esau sang but why would Rashi want to say that? It's, quite it's, not, quite, it's quite, not quite as hard upon Terach, because here he's saying Terach is a Rasha. Yeah, well, that's the idea. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So I, I, what I wanted to show you from this Pasuk is that the juxtaposition of things could lead to a new halakha, and it could also lead to a, na, a new non halachic insight. Well, that's all I wanted to say. But I add, and I tell you that most of the time that Rashi uses the principle Ein Mukdam Torah, he does not feel that he has to explain it. And that's what it says in Perikov Dalit. In Perikov Dalit. You look at the, 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 the Pasuk, we won't be able to go through all of Perikov Dalit, but some of it we will, we will do. El Moshe Amar, Alei El Hashem, so this parasha, Perak of Dalit, comes after the Mishpatim of Mishpatim. Right, remember what Rashi said about Eila HaMishpatim? Eila HaMishpatim, right? Eilu. Ma... Right? That these are all the Mishpatim. When the end, the parish of Mishpatim, this parish begins. And so there's a mystery. When was this parasha said? And when did Moshe Rabbeinu go up on Har Sinai? So Rashi says, Parasha Zo Nemra Kodim Aserita Dibrot. Oh. So, in other words, this parasha, which is Perekav Dalid, which we'll call the parasha of Alei, of going up, this parasha was stated in the Torah according to Rashi, according to Rashi, on before Aserita Dibrot. This is the parasha that introduces a, seri- a whole parasha. Not a pasuk, but a whole parasha. And of course the question is, why? Why is this the case? And so you see Rashi says, Rashi says, nothing. Hmm?
So Rashi goes on. If you look at Pasuk Bet, V'nigash Moshe levado el Hashem v'hem lo yigashu v'am lo yalu imo because we're talking about Perik Yutet. Perik Yutet is the Perik before Perik Kaf. Perik Kaf is the Perik of Asarita Dibrot. So Perik Yutet is the Perik of new information for B'nai Yisrael. How are you supposed to act? How are you supposed to deport yourself before Matan Torah? And this this parasha has to become a, stuck in with that parasha. So along comes along goes Rashi, and Rashi says, That's what Baruch Hu said. Separate yourself from your spouses. Don't go beyond a certain line. Where does the Torah tell us this? Where does the Torah tell us this? Pergutet. Pergutet. So they have a Rashi it's just like sort of sticking Pergutet into, into Perikov Dalet. And he says that Perikov Dalet belongs over there. It belongs with that story. It's part of that story over there. And call Devrei Hashem Mitzvot Bishorak Ba'alav and call HaMishpatim Shevem Mitzvot Shedistavu B'nei Dor for Shabbat V'kibbin Abba'im Baraduma V'dinim Shedidu Lahem B'mara Okay It's like a mystery Rashi Where does Rashi get this from? Where did, where did the Jews learn about Paraduma and Shabbat and Kibbun Abba'im and things like that? Do you remember? Parsha of Bishalach they ran out of Mitzrayim they sang Shirat Hayam what happened after Shirat Hayam? Sham Sam Lo Choku Mishpat Visham Nisam Rashi says what's the Choku Mishpat that they learned at that time? Right, Kibbut Avaim Paraduma they're different versions they're different verses of Rashi but, but there's a Rashi sticks that in here also they also, besides the, 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 the mitzvot that have to do with preparing for Matan Torah, he also reminded them of all the mitzvot that they learned even before that. So that's, that's Sheva Mitzvot Nei Noach, the Shabbat, the Kippur Avaim, the Paraduma, the Dinim, the Dinim also includes Mishpatim. And all of this was given to Bnei Shabbat Marah before they came to Har Sinai. Before they came to Har Sinai, this is what Rashi said: Pasuk Dalit, Pasuk Dalit, Pasuk Dalit. Vechtov Moshe called the Rishon Yeshkei b'Bokav Yivan v'Zbeach Tachat Har v'Shtei Mesrei Matzivah v'Shtei Masashiv Tei Yisrael. Rashi, Vechtov Moshe mi'Bereishit v'Ad Matan Torah katav mitzvot shenitzavu v'katav mitzvot shenitzavu b'Rabah. How he wrote it, I don't know. It was, there was a tradition, there was a tradition, all the stories from Breshit until Matan Torah was something that B'nai Yisrael knew. Well, maybe it hadn't been written down, or maybe it hadn't been written down in an official way, but Rashi, Rashi says that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote the Torah from Breshit Baral, who gave it to Shabbat Mitzvah until Perek Kaf. Perek Kaf, Aserita Dibrot, Moshe Rabbeinu then wrote that down afterwards right that was the new material so now B'nai Yisrael had a Torah that had the beginning of the Torah in it they were going to get the Aserita Dibrot and Mishpatim I don't know if that's included yet according to Rashi it is etc okay so then if you look at Pasuk Vav Vayikach Moshe Chatzi Adam Vayaseh Maganot Vayikach Moshe Chatzi Adam 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 Vayikach
There is a Mizbech, Zarak al Mizbech, that's another connection to the Mizbech in the parasha of Yitro. Vayikach Sefer Abrit, Vayikrab Azdeya Av, Vayikosh Adibar Hashem Naasev and Ishma, Sefer Habrit. You see those words, Sefer Habrit? Uh, one second. Pasuk uh, Zion, right? Vayikach Moshe Chatzi Adam, blah, blah, no, no, no. Sefer Habrit, you see Sefer Habrit? Rashi. Sefer Abrit, Bibreshit Admatan Torah, O Mitzvot Shenitztavu B'marah. Sefer Abrit, there was a book now, Moshe Rabbeinu wrote it down. He wrote it down and they had the Sefer Abrit. What's a Brit? What's a Brit? A covenant. What's a covenant? An agreement. There was some kind of an agreement. How many sides do you need for an agreement? Uh, two sides, minimum, right? The one, one is not a side. When, when God came, told Moshe Rabbeinu how to prepare for Kabbalah Torah, how to prepare for Kabbalah Torah, how many sides were there to that agreement? One. God told B'nai Yisrael what to do, and they were supposed to do it. That's not a covenant. What was the covenant? So what was the agreement of Sefer Abrit? That's now a Sefer. And what does the Sefer have? What does it say for having it? Mitzvot. It has demands, so to speak. This is what God wants. Not everything that God wants, but a lot of stuff. The Sheva Mitzvot, and Shabbat, and Paraduma, and, and, and the Mitzvah, and, and whatever else, whatever else Raji could put into it. Right? And B'nai Israel had to agree to it. So did they agree? They said, according to the Pasuk, Nasa Nishma. Right? They said, Nasa Nishma. When did they say Nasa Nishra according to the story? Before Matan Torah. Before the Aserat that they wrote. Before the Aserat that they wrote. So it's though they would say, God said to, to, uh, uh, to B'nai Yisrael, there are two things that have to happen before Matan Torah. One is, I'm going to tell you what to do. And you have to do it. And the other thing is, you have to agree to accept the Sefer Abrit. Right? To here you have a choice. This is a covenantal. You have obligations, and I have obligations. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to the Israel. There's some kind of an arrangement. There's some kind of an agreement. That's what, that's what God said. Okay, we'll stop this and look at another source. Is that alright? We look at another source? A sort of a different source. The Medrash Shokhatam. Such a good source that I don't want to miss out. Right? See, the Medrash is the last source of the sheep. The Medrash Shokhatam is a Medrash on Tehillim. It's a Medrash on Tehillim. You know, there are many Medrashim that you've never heard of. So don't be surprised. Right? Shokhatam. It's a Medrash on the book of Tehillim. There are many non-halachic medrashim that people usually don't consult. Unless they're writing doctorates in the university someplace. Then they're overjoyed to find a medrash that no one ever looks at. Is it old? It's old. Is it old? Older than I am. <laughs> How old is old? You don't say, oh, you say, is it from the time of the Tanaim or the time of the Moraim? Probably in the Moraim. Probably. But I'm not an expert. There are people who are experts. Listen to this. is born David. This is a medrash. This is a medrash that explains the third chapter of Tehillim. Sha'amar HaKatuv. There's a pasuk in Iyom. Lo yada enosh erka. Right? Lo yada 
Enosh, like a person, doesn't know Erka, right? Erech, its value, doesn't know. Omar Avalazar, lo nitnu parshiyoteha shel Torah al hatzeder. Rabbi Elazar says, you know, the par- if you look at the parshiyot of the Torah carefully, you'll see that they are not ordered, meaning they are not chronological. Sometimes something that happened earlier is stated later. Lo nitna al haseder she'il malay nitnu al haseder because had they been given al haseder al haseder meaning chronological order kol nishu korebahem miyad hayayachol liverot olam lachayot beitim velasot moftim b'fika nit aleim sidura shel Torah v'galui l'fnei Hakadosh Baruch Hu shenemar u'mikamoni yikra v'yagida v'yarcha li. The Shochetov says this. You know, you know the Chazal said, "How did God create the world? How did God kidya istakel boraita?" that God looked into the Torah and created the world now of course this seems a little odd but if you kind of think about it you could understand sort of what, what it meant that God of course first created the Torah and then from the Torah God created the world now this is not usually discussed as a, me- as a method of creation but we understand that the one principle of creation that we imitate all the time and the way we organize all the things we know and the way we understand beyond what we know that principle is called Seder and so the reason that the world I mean one could argue when when I say this even if I say it enthusiastically you don't have to accept it Right? You could say, oh, that's crazy. But I'm going to be enthusiastic anyway. So look, the one thing about creation that we know is that it was done with an order. The only thing we can relate to. But God said, let there be light. What's it got to do with me? I can say, let there be light all day and all night. There's not going to be any light unless I turn the light switch on. Right? It's, in other words, it's totally other. It has nothing to do with me, whatever happened in, in uh, Briata Olam. It just happened. I don't know how it happened. However, one thing about Briata Olam I can relate to, and that is that there was an order. There was great Yom Yom Aleph, Yom Bet, Yom Gimel, Yom Dal, right? Every day something else was created. So that, that's the entree that I have into the Torah. The only connection that I have to the creation of the world is that I can also order things. I can put them in order. If you ever study chemistry, you ever study physics, you ever study biology, or even mathematics, which is a little bit different, but the whole thing is you just have to order it somehow. You have to order the material to get insight into what's going on. That's what chemistry is. That's what biology is. 
And that's also what liberal, uh, 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 the liberal arts are. You have to order things, you're going to be able to say something about them. If they just remain a hodgepodge of confusion, then you'll never be able to, to control them. You'll never be able to exercise control over the topic. What enables you to exercise some sort of control is order. Is order. So the assumption of the Vedra Shokhatov is that whoever has a grasp of order has a grasp of the creation of the world. And whoever has a grasp of the creation of the world can also mess up the world. Can also mess up the world. That's why the Torah injected, the Torah injected lack of order into the Torah in order to remove from us this ability to be divine, to be like God, to be the creators. All we could do is stand astounded. All we could do is order things, but we can't create anything. We don't have that because something about order eludes us. Right? We're not able we're not able to really understand the the order of things. But this idea comes up again and again in Chazal. Uh, why does Tazria I'm sorry, why does Shmini come before Tazria? Shmini is a parasha that has kosher and non-kosher animals listed, right? Tameh and Tahor. Tazria has the beginning, Tazriya Mitzvah, the Tumah Vitara of man. The Tumah Vitara of man. So the Chazal said, how come the Tumah Vitara of, of animals come before the Tumah and the Tara of man slash woman? I mean, is man slash woman more important than the animals? Should we get a better seat in the Torah than the animals? Question. Answer. And so why don't we, why is that not the case? That is not the case. Because in creation, the animals were created before, before man. And therefore, always the key to understanding, the key to understanding what's really going on is order. That's the key. And that's what the Medjushoka Sotho says that, that if not for the mess, a little mess in the Torah, it would all be order. And if it was all order, we'd be able to understand. If we were able to understand, we'd be able to do terrible things in the world of, of God's creation. But what lies behind this Shokhatov, interestingly enough, in my opinion, is that the question is always better than the answer. Right? The question, how come there's no order? Whatever the answer is, the answer is not as good as the question. And since the answer is not as good as the question, it makes sense for the Shokhatov, it makes sense for the Shokhatov to say, look, it just had to be that way. You could not have everything in the proper order because that would create a bad, uh, a bad moment for, uh, for Am Yisrael. So we saw... Okay, there's one more source, and that's the, uh, that I want to look at. One more source, and that is the, uh, the Hanek Davar, but we started, uh, Amnam. You see, if you look at the Hanek Davar, line 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 10, 9, Amnam, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. The eighth line, the word Amnam. Amnam bedavar seda parashiyot. You see that? 
He says, I want to say something about the order of the parashiyot. We're going back to our parashiyot. Nireh the parashat ve'elah mishpatim v'hadastiv achar parashat aseret adibrot I skipped the line? Oh, I just I can't see that well, I guess. Vara'a the parashat ve'elah mishpatim, no? Ve'elah mishpatim. Ah, gamke. You see that? It's, um... It's the same word, begins both lines. What do you want from me? Well, I didn't, that's terrible. Gam came, Nehemra lefnei hadibrot, umishum hachi amra Moshe Rabbeinu, mi baal dvarim, yigash alehem, shikva limdo aharon v'chur Torah, sham, v'chein derech ha-Torah, it's the way of the Torah. Lishanot haseder b'shvil smichut ha'inyanim. Right? This is what I think we tried to say. This is what Rashi said. This is his general principle. B'shvil smichut ha'inyanim. Kimo parashat chukat v'apara dichtiv achar maaseh korach. V'avagav da'al korcha da'emra Livnei hakamat oil moed sharei beferik befarshat beferik de parshat alaviyim ketiv chaza alehem mech izalehem aichatat amishum asmiichud kivvoah besiyadu tisham besiyadu dishmaya. So, in other words, he expands. He the Havagdover expands this idea that every time you have a uh, a confusion in the order of things in the Torah, confusion in the order of things in the Torah, that uh, that, that confusion derives from uh, uh, from the need to, to get some new information, and that the new information of the Torah takes precedence over chronology. And even though it would seem that the Torah is misleading us somehow, but it is actually leading us to a better place where we learn another halacha, etc. Last uh, Motzei Shabbat, I spoke at the um, Chabad of Baka. Chabad of Baka, and for, for that they gave me a present. And the present was, of course, uh, three uh, books of uh, Rebbe's. Uh, Torah, you know, they don't want to push too hard. But so, so the very nice books that I was very, very appreciative that they gave it to me. They're very nice. But in the first part of it, the first part of it is sort of like condensations of the sichot. They used to put out. There used to be uh, a pamphlets in Hebrew. Each pamphlet was like eight pages, and they used to be taken, exerted from Sichot. The Rebbe had a tremendous amount of energy and uh, he would speak at Fabrengen's, which means like a happy-go-lucky party. He'd speak at a Fabrengen uh, for hours and hours. He just, he, and he just kept saying stuff, you know, like just came out. And they had, they had this guy, like, you know, all great uh, men need a great scribe. So they had this guy whose name is Yoel Cohen, Rav Yoel Cohen, who for some reason remembers everything perfectly that he ever hears. Uh, I don't mean that he ever learns. I mean that he just hears. 
And then, after, and most of these fabrengen took place on Jewish holidays, like Shabbos and Yantiv. And so he had to write it up afterwards. So it started out like 40 pages. And then they printed these sichot, which I used to try to learn uh, as much as I could. And that was eight pages. And now they've got it down to about one page. Right, all the, in this book, all the parishes are covered, right? And it's, each parish gets about one page. So the Rebbe said this is a very modernistic kind of, uh, kind of uh, comment. The Rebbe said, you know, in, in uh, Matan Torah, two things happen. And they are, each deserve their own space. The first thing that happened was that God gave the Torah to B'nai Israel. The second thing that happened was that B'nai Yisrael accepted the Torah. Both of them, both of those things demanded change. So in Perik Yutet, where the Torah says, and God said, in order for me to give the Torah to B'nai Yisrael, B'nai Yisrael has to place itself on a higher standard than it usually is. That it usually places itself, but that means you have to have separation, and you have to have, uh, you have to go to the mikveh, you have to be uh, pure. That, that's that's the divine demand. But then there's the story of Bnei Yisrael. There's another story of Bnei Yisrael entering into a covenant of saying Nasevinishma, of understanding what was it that was demanded of them. That's another story. That's another story. So the Rebbe said. In Perik Yutet, before what we call Matan Torah, which we talked about before, right? Aserat Adibrot, it's Perik Yutet. That's God's story. God does it. God tells them what to do. God is in charge of the information transferred to Moshe Rabbeinu. That's the story of the Rebbeinu one. Perik of Dalit, that's the story of B'nai Yisrael. They build a sacrifice, they build a mizbeach, and they make a sacrifice, and they have blood that they throw around, and then, and then they say, Nishma, Moshe Rabbeinu said, here's a piece of Torah, here's a piece of Torah. What do you say? How do you accept it? So they had to go through this, uh, um, this change. They had to become able to accept the Torah. That's what the Maharal says in, in several places, that you have to be a cliquey bull. It's not enough to be willing to accept the Torah. You have to be worthy of accepting the Torah. You have to be ready to accept the Torah. It has to fit in with you, right? That if the Torah is written, was written in Chinese, then it wouldn't make any difference if you wanted to accept the Torah. You wouldn't be able to because you probably don't know Chinese. So you have to have a readiness. That to be a a, a, a a willingness, as we said before, to go into the covenant for both sides to be able to make an agreement, to be able to accept an obligation. So now these two stories could be told together, but they were so important. This is what the Rebbe's idea is, not what he said. He said whatever he said. This is my understanding of what the Rebbe was talking about. That the that the, the two stories are of such singular importance that they would have to be told to us separately. And so that even though they happened at the same time, they're integrative, right? You can integrate the two stories nevertheless. 
There's the story of Perikutet. That's the story of God's demands and, and, and the, the preparation for Matan Torah and Perikafas Aseret that they wrote. Then there's Perikaf Dalit, which is the story of Moshe Rabbeinu convincing B'nai Yisrael and B'nai Yisrael finally accepting by saying Naseh Mishma at the, 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 uh, the idea of entering into a covenant with the Kaddish Bach. All the best.